Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. From the Alexa in your kitchen to the smart TV in the bedroom, you've got smart devices peppered all over the house. So wouldn't it make sense to place the best tech in every part of your home? The Numi 2.0 is Kohler's most advanced toilet to date with a sculptural design that elevates it beyond a household object. With advanced technology to bring you the finest in personal comfort and cleansing, it offers personalized setting, from ambient colored lighting and built-in audio speaker system to a heated seat with hands-free opening and closing. It's more than a toilet. It's a work of art. Learn more at Kohler.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links, a special viewer's choice edition of the program. Happy to have you here on this Thursday as Esther said, I am Mike Heck, and joining me on this adventure to answer all of your questions, Mr. No Gray Area, Mr. Hot Take, co-host of No Bets Bard, and I believe we have a new damn they were good in the oven cooking right now. Is that true, Jed Mishu? Welcome back, my friend. Thanks for having me, Mike. Love to be here. And it is true. It's dropping tomorrow. Uh, my favorite episode yet. I'm not saying it's our best episode, but we covered my favorite fighter of all time, BJ Penn. Uh, so we had a lot of fun and Mike, before we get started, I just want to say I had a mini panic attack about 10 minutes ago because I pulled up the, you usually send me the topics and I can look over and get a little prepared and I was reading through the topics and it took me a solid three minutes to realize that I was looking at last week's topics and that you didn't send topics at all. So happy to be here, excited about the fan questions. Yes. And look, I know when there's off UFC weeks. We have to do a little bit more to fill roles and fill spots and do podcasts and produce a lot of different things that we normally wouldn't do. So I figured let's make life a little bit easier for us, make it better for the viewers, and we let them control the programming. It's a beautiful thing. We, lo we love the viewers. We love letting them control things. So that's what the show is all about. We're just going to answer your questions the entire time. They can be about... Dana White versus Francis Ngannou, Dana White versus the PFL, Dana White versus Aljamain Sterling, Dana White just saying things. It could be about whatever you want. There's fights we are hearing about. There are fights that fighters are saying might happen on certain dates that I just don't believe. There's a middleweight champion who's supposed to headline a card in Australia, but has no realistic opponent right now. There's a lot we can talk yes, he about. Does. So. Yes, he does. He's got a great opponent. I know. I'm with you on this. I'm totally with you Just on this. Just get rid of Maybe the dumb fight. <laughs> get rid of the fight that's real stupid. 
We laid this out on heck of a morning. I shuffled up the deck, I think, perfectly. But if that question comes up, we can talk about it here. So we have Casey on the ones and twos. He will bring up the questions. So what do we have, Case? What do the people want to talk about today? Okay, let's bring our first question up. All right. Big D too quick. Say Francis stayed and did this, did his thing right. Everything went right. Do you see Dana giving Francis the Connor treatment and letting him do a boxing fight? I quibble with did his thing right because I'm not sure what that means. Because I think Francis did everything right here. And if you don't agree, uh, then we just fundamentally see the world differently. Like he got literally everything he wanted. So I don't know what more you could want than for him to get this same deal with the UFC, which obviously would never happen. So uh, assuming that's what that means, just wanted to push back on that. But let's address the rest of the question, right? Uh, no is the short answer. Basically because Dana has sort of, maybe not explicitly, but pretty close to explicitly said that no, he wasn't going to do it. Um, that has been one of my favorite things of the past two weeks, Mike. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh Dana White is a is a master of spin, and as a man who himself likes to likes to deliver a take or two, you got game respect game. And Dana coming out here and being like, "Look, when when the occasion calls for it, I make things happen. I got I got I got the audacity of this. <laughs> I got Floyd McG Floyd Mayweather paid." The UFC had literally no role in the promotion of the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor fight, but for allowing Conor to to fight and take a percentage of that. But that was put on with McGregor promotions and Mayweather promotions. Like he, they, Dana didn't have anything to do with it, and he is coming out here this week saying, "I got Floyd Mayweather paid." It is an incredible bit of spin work, and you just you got to take your hat off to the man. Game respect, game. <laughs> Unbelievable, just nonsense flooding from his mouth, and I love every second of it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think, I don't think he would ever do the boxing thing. I, I wonder if it was brought up. I, I know Markel Martin talked to to Ariel yesterday. I know he wasn't privy to like every single conversation and every single dinner that transpired between Francis and Dana. But I think Dana was just more concerned that Francis is kind of the position he's in right now, that there just wasn't that kind of a fight for him, even though Tyson yeah. Fury kind of dangled the carrot in front of him. And we all thought, Ooh, maybe. And then no, nah, I'm just going to come back and fight real boxers for real stakes and real championships and not Usyk, not the fight everybody wants to see and apparently we're still not going to see that fight from what Tyson Fury has been saying lately but now he's turning his attention to John Jones and we don't do gimmick fights here and now he's saying Tyson give me a call we'll do you versus John Jones in the UFC so yeah it's been quite the I week mean, of course he's gonna do that like why wouldn't Dana let Tyson Fury get rolled up by John Jones of course look the thing everyone I think everyone has just forgotten about the Mayweather McGregor fight is Dana hated that fight for like a full year he was like no it's stupid we're never going to do it and it was just an overwhelming amount of support for it and the financials ultimately made sense 
that is just not the case with Francis Ngannou. And uh, like I said, I think Francis Ngannou has done everything right. He may well get himself a big payday in a boxing match. Like that is still very much possible, but it is that is going to require work and effort on his part, and he's going to have to find a dance part, partner. And frankly, none of them are that willing to do it right now based on everything we're hearing. It, I think it ultimately will happen. It, it's not going to be Tyson Fury probably, but – it is going to require legwork to get that to to occur, and that is not something Dana White is not interested in trying. Like I don't know if any of the promotion in the last five years has has seeped into y'all, but he's not here to make an effort. Like they're there to just print money, which they're very very good at doing. So th this was never going to happen for Francis inside the confines of the UFC, particularly because, and frankly. Dana's right on this point, right? Like, say Francis does resign. Francis wants to do the boxing fight. I think that the financials can ultimately be good, but they'll have to work at it. Why would you do that when the John Jones fight is, frankly, probably going to do as good of numbers as a Deontay Wilder matchup? Maybe slightly less because of the novelty factor, but that's still big business. That's entirely in-house. That's easier to make. So maybe after that, then Fran then maybe there's more of a push for Ngannou to get a boxing fight if he does beat John Jones. But th this was just never going to happen for Francis under the UFC banner. Or you could have just done the Zufa boxing thing and just had Francis box in your own company. You could have just done that. You got the we contender all know Zufa boxing is a lie. <laughs> well, you do, but still, if you wanted to do a one-off and just have a boxing event, like. M Masvidal and company have laid out sort of the blueprint on how to do this. Like the UFC is not opposed to, you know, taking ideas and making them their own. You have a way to do it. You just got to get it approved. And apparently the Nevada athletic commission will approve anything. So you have your own building to host it. You could do that anywhere. So I guess my question to you at this point right now, because we know the UFC isn't going to co-promote any kind of a Francis fight at this point. Does Francis have to box any of these big names? Like, it just seems like he wants to box, and there are plenty of avenues he can take in order to do that. And there's plenty of influencers and social media stars that would get him a pretty sizable payday in order to box. Does it have to be one of those guys? Do you think when Francis does eventually box, it's going to be Fury or a Wilder or a Joshua? Or do you think he just boxes somebody else just to scratch that itch. It's feeling a lot more like it's going to be somebody else that though. I don't love, like I get it. And if, if truly this is just Francis wanting to, to box, because that was kind of where he originally thought his career was going to go. Like that was his dream. And now he has the ability to sort of shortcut the line in, in some ways here. Fury doesn't seem likely, which is, nonsense uh it would make sense for me if fury was like yeah i'm because i'm gonna fight Usyk." but fury appears to not want the Usyk smoke uh in one way or another and instead he's gonna do some other fights that are frankly like in just would make more sense than some of the other names have been thrown out for fury at this point like you're not gonna lose and it's at least something that will get people talking as opposed to you fighting I don't know, uh, Joe Joyce or like some shit like that, whoever the hell it is that they're talking about. My question sort of to answer your question with a question, Mike, is so like there's obviously the four, right? Like there's there's the Fury, there's the, or I guess the three because Usyk, who, who nobody really cares uh, about 
Francis fighting Usyk. That's not thrown out. But it's Wilder, it's Joshua, it's Fury. Like those are the big three thrown out as possible in Ganu names. Seems unlikely. Maybe we can get Wilder. Wilder seemed to be the one that they were the closest with uh, in the talks. But if he can't, who else is he going to – like who's the lowest dude on the totem pole? Because that's where this becomes – a problem for me because I think we all know what this is. This is a money grab. Like he's not knocking out Anthony Joshua. Like he's just going to get dummied and that's okay. Like credit to him, get the money, make an effort, try, maybe a miracle happens, but the juice doesn't seem worth the squeeze for him to do it against like Dillian white, who is also probably going to dummy him. Uh, Andy Ruiz, Ruiz. like Andy Ruiz would dummy him and Andy's fat Andy. And so it wouldn't be like a great, at least Andy Ruiz, like had the moment, you know? So he is a a bigger name, broadly speaking, but like Luis Ortiz, like they're just, no, he can, those are fights he probably can get, but those don't seem to be worth it to me. So I'm really interested to see how where he makes his decision because ultimately this is going to come down to Francis, whether he decides I'm going to keep holding out until you know somebody jumps at the bit and says, let's go for it, or maybe I'll step down the ladder a couple of rungs and risk a huge payday and get beat by the world's number 12 heavyweight because that's what will happen if he fights them. Or go box like Hasim Rahman Jr. and probably beat him. I mean, you could do that, but that feels fundamentally different than what Francis is really about. But maybe it's not. He just wants to. I mean, if he just wants to box, then go box. I know you want the big, huge fights, but I just don't know if they're there right now. I think he might need to show his go box. Go box, Tommy Fury. Go box, Tommy Fury. Go just, just do fight it. Hasim Rockman Jr., knock him out, and get a highlight, and maybe people will see the buzz that could generate. Oh, I guess people really do care about Francis boxing, and then maybe the dollar signs will float into the heads of some of the bigger names, and maybe they'll come forward. I think he's going to have to chip away at this idea before he just gets it. You said the thing that I think is the most important part is that he needs to generate buzz and he's not doing that and he hasn't been for a year. And I don't blame him. Like I said, I think he played this right. I think he did the right things. He hasn't fought for over a year. He's about to run out of eligibility in our rankings, which is into 18 months. And his last fight was not some highlight real awesome thing. It was a five-round wrestling heavy performance. Like, yes, he generated headlines by signing with the PFL, not taking that away from him, but the further away you get from being relevant and and right now this sport moves very very quickly man like that is why i thought it was weird for them to say he's fighting in 2024 for the pfl if they don't have a boxing fight lined up if this is still just hopes and wishes that something's going to happen like it truly doesn't matter dude nobody in the pfl is going to fucking beat you just go knock the head off random heavy Wait, like it it simply doesn't matter. Come to Atlanta, beat the brakes off some dude, put a highlight reel in the bank, and then remind people you are the baddest man on the planet. And there's a reason that there were talks like this in the first place. If he wants to do that by taking a, a boxing match, maybe that works. I just think that invites a lot more risk than him fighting Auntie Delijah like in a month and a half or whatever. 
Yeah. No, I'm with you. And, and another thing we kind of have to keep in mind as well, he's still recovering from that knee. Like that knee was destroyed. So yeah, he got surgery. And I know there are some crazy, incredible light, lightweights and welterweights who can come back in nine, 10 months from injuries like this. But Francis is a big man and it's going to take him a little bit longer to come back. I talked to Eric Nixick like a few weeks back before he even signed this PFL deal. And he was like, Francis is still like recovering from the knee. He's still trying to get back in to a hundred percent. So that's going to take time. I'm trying to look at who the worst PFL heavyweight is. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, that is, this is a race to the bottom. Very difficult to pick one. Um, also, all of their like marginally good ones fail drug tests and can't compete anymore. Anyway, uh, look, man, I don't know Maurice Green, <laughs> like one legged like, Francis. Is he number one right now? Head off Maurice Isn't Green, like one or two right now. I don't know. He might be, but I've seen him fight, and he's not very good. And, so, and Maurice yeah, Green yeah. is John Jones' I mean, I training get, partner. So that's true. I guess he. Oh, that's I didn't even think of that Jumping angle. I guess he did get a he got a TKO finish in the first PFL of the season, so he probably is highly ranked in their current season. Uh, dude, just pick any of these dudes, like any of them. Who cares? Jorgen DeCastro. Yeah, exactly. We're sit, simpatico. Another John there, Jones Mike. training partner. Jorgen JDS. You just gotta get this. Pick a warm body and just have him annihilate some dude. And it doesn't have to be for anything. You can promote it like a squash match. You can the same way. I'm not a big pro wrestling guy, but Mike, uh, I have gotten my TikTok has somehow gotten filled with like videos of old pro wrestling, like historical lookbacks. And that shit's super interesting to me because I didn't like my parents didn't let me watch during the attitude era, but you can get to go and see like all these people talk about stuff. And that's kind of fun. And in those, there's always like, Hey, we're going to introduce this dude by beating the hell out of some guy you've never heard of. Just do that. Just be like, Hey, this isn't in the season. This isn't for the title. We got Francis and here's a man. And watch what he does to this warm body. And then that's it. And it would be dope. Yeah, that's how you got people over back in the 90s. You just put them on Saturday morning TV. They'd squash them, squash a dude in two minutes. Wrestling someone with Saturday like two morning? first names. Superstars. They would have superstars and wrestling challenge. And it would just be a bunch of squash matches and then like one decent match. Yeah. Well, I mean, I in the 90s, there were not... Did you see the wrestling characters in the 1990s in the WWF? There was a plumber. There was a hockey player. There was a clown. I'm sorry. There was a plumber. There was a plumber. Oh, yeah. T- was T- he T- Mario? T.L. T- Super Mario. They had Duke Did the Dumpster Drones. A garbage man. They had everybody. Okay. Yeah, it was car- very character. so much. Sorry, I want to jump in quick, 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 quick question for Jed. Jed, you mentioned that uh, the longer Francis stays out of the cage, you know, he'll lose relevance. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't the same thing apply to him that applied to, say, John Jones, GSP, and to a lesser, a lesser extent, Henry Cejudo, where they were gone for so long, but when they came back, it wasn't like people – there was there was a, a need for them to come back. Like, why, so, why won't Francis get that same kind of treatment? I'm just – I'm not – I don't – No, I'm no, it's, it's, a, you, but, it's, a, it's a fair question. To clarify, I think he will get that treatment when he comes back to MMA. 
I don't think that extends to boxing because it's already a, a tenuous question anyway of the interest in watching Francis Ngannou box. And the value prop just becomes less for boxers is the problem. Like I think when he his first event at PFL is going to be a big event and it does not matter who he's fighting. That is going to be a thing that we are up in arms for that the fan base is, is interested to tune in. Maybe not like massive, massive because – he is a questionable star of that degree, but it's going to matter when we come back doing the thing we know he can do. But the value prop for professional boxers is, Hey, this dude's the baddest man on the planet. And he just knocked Alistair Overeem's head off or whatever, or Stipe Miocic, I guess, based on the timeline's head off. This is a big bag of money and a very winnable boxing match for me. And there's a hook here. It's, two years since he knocked out Stipe like that is just they have other things and this becomes less for him crossing over into a new sport it still will matter and should it happen it will still be promoted and big but the I think the opportunity for him to get the big fights just goes away day after day like it, it just gets a little bit less the more time passes between him and being relevant, like truly relevant for performance as opposed to other ancillary things. Cool, cool. Hot start to the show. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. We all need an upgrade every once in a while. Whether it's that outdated car in your garage or that cell phone that you bought over three years ago, it's good to have the best technology around. And great news, because now you can have the most advanced technology in the privacy of your own home. The Numi 2.0 is Kohler's most advanced toilet to date with a sculptural design that elevates it beyond a household object. The smart toilet combines unmatched aesthetics with cutting-edge technology to bring you the finest in personal comfort and cleansing. It offers personalized settings that let you fine-tune every option to your exact preferences. From ambient-colored lighting and a built-in audio speaker system to the heated seat with hands-free opening and closing. Plus, the Numi 2.0 comes equipped with Power Saver Mode for energy efficiency and emergency flush for power outages, so you don't have to worry about wasted energy. Connecting you to an oasis of cleanliness and comfort, the Numi 2.0 can revolutionize your bathroom, making it more than a toilet. It's a work of art. Learn more at Kohler.com. Jeff Drapham, if you could fully swap the sports for LeBron, Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker, Usain Bolt to MMA from the onset of their athletic journey, 
who would have been the GOAT? Uh, of this group or of MMA? Of MMA, it will still probably be John Jones. <laughs> um, look, God love Usain Bolt. I think he's the greatest Olympian of all time. Michael Phelps can suck it. Like, who gives a <laughs> shit? I, I will die on this corner. You're third, like... It swimming is dumb. It is not a dumb sport, but the fact that we have like, ooh, I like the point of racing is to get from A to B, not to get from A to B doing it in a different way. I'm the fastest backstroke. Sweet. If I'm swimming away from danger, I'm not fucking backstroking. So who gives a shit? It's useless. So it's very dumb for Michael Phelps to have 30 gold medals or whatever in that. Also, not everybody swims. A lot of the world can't swim and doesn't swim. Literally everybody runs other than those who are physically incapable of. And those people are probably not competing in the Olympics in general. Uh, or they're competing in a different set of Olympics. And that's not to denigrate those people. I'm just saying of the 7 billion people in the world, 99% of them can run. Usain Bolt is the greatest Olympian of all time. I don't, that doesn't translate at all to mixed martial arts as far as I'm concerned. There's just not the same skill sets at all. Like maybe he wouldn't suck at it, but there's no basis of, of that because the way that those sports are competed are completely different. We've seen Herschel Walker compete in MMA. We know he's very good or was like very good for being 50 and having never done it, like very quality competitor. Bo Jackson, maybe the greatest athlete I've ever seen in my whole life uh, on the short list of it. Probably could have done well. LeBron, yeah. very similar. Like those three are competing in sports where physicality is much more of a factor. And so you can, to some extent, extrapolate it over. The problem is, as always, the problem with this sort of thinking is uh, it's just a whole different world, man. Like getting punched in the face just ain't for everybody. And you can be incredibly athletic, and but it when you are under fire, the, it's just a different game. And so it's very hard to speculate that any of them would have been like unassailably great until you see them get punched in the face and be like, okay, they're, they're built for this because at some level it really is in your makeup about whether you want to fist fight people and, and where you are with that. Yeah. Of these four, I would probably say if we, if we could get, 18 year old Bo Jackson out of high school in like 2012, that would be something. If he was just like, nah, I'm not going to play baseball or football. I'm just going to focus the next three years of my life to learn this MMA thing. I'd probably go with Bo. I mean, he's probably the most likely of this group of four to succeed. Yeah. Pre hip injuries and everything. Also, else. I just, but what would Bo Jackson have been bad at in life? Like, he would have been great at everything. There's nothing he would. I, I can't think of a single thing that if you get let Bo Jackson start doing at the age of eight, he wouldn't have excelled at. hundred <laughs> percent, oh, dudes. It's a great thirty for thirty. If you don't know much about Bo Jackson, highly recommend you watch that thirty for thirty. All right. Does MMA fighting ever beef with other MMA media outlets? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, we, probably not. I, I don't have in any house. It's in house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I largely don't have any issues with anybody else in MMA media. So there are, you know, people I like more than others, but it's fine. I also am relatively confident that plenty of people in MMA media, if they even know who I am, wouldn't like me. So it's okay. 
I mean, I barely like you and you're on the show every week and I'm just kidding. I love you, yeah. Jed. <laughs> I actually got to meet you in person and play some golf with you. Um, no, I mean like there's probably like there's competitive rivalries. One would say like everyone would say like us and MMA junkie are probably like, I don't know. You, they would say like, those are the two, but I go to events and cover them and I hang out with them when I'm with them and we have a good time. Like Nolan King is one of my favorite people in the space. No Nolan for a long time. We're both Boston guys, both like the same things, both love the sport. doesn't matter what outlet we work at. We just can get together and hang out and have a good time. So that's how I feel about most people in the space. So I don't think, no, I guess, I guess arguably we do as a website have beef with, uh, big John McCarthy and Josh Thompson, and they they have a podcast, so they're in the media. Uh, yeah. I've certainly John, said unkind things about them, and stand by every word. So, I've I, I've made it a goal to not do that as much. Um, Josh has actually grown on me a little bit more. John and I have are good. Uh, he was very helpful for that, like really in depth piece I did on the Fury FC thing, where the dude got choked unconscious and then got his arm broken while being unconscious and the referee decided not to stop the the fight. Uh, I talked to John for like almost an hour. It was a great conversation. And, you know, and some of it we recorded and some of it we just shot the breeze without recording it and just good stuff. Um, Yeah, I would say probably those, Josh in particular, but I think Josh is kind of growing on me a little bit. He may not feel the same way about me, but life is short and he said a dumb thing. I called him out on it and that's it. Yeah, I just don't have the energy to hate people anymore. When I was younger, a thousand percent. But I just <laughs> like I I think that that's everybody's journey, right? You're just a little pissant when you're younger, and then you grow up, and I guess it's maturity, or maybe you just you get tired. But it's a lot of effort to carry up beef when it's like whatever. <laughs> it's so much easier. Yeah. It's not care. Yeah, I feel like Josh is better on the broadcast now. I think Amanda Guerra kind of like brings like a, a much looser Josh Thompson out on the broadcast. So I've actually enjoyed him on the broadcast more. And John, I think John uh, and the Danny Sabatello thing with the countless swears was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. So no, I have no he, beef with no, with anybody. He did a really good job. John did a very good job at that. I was shocked that he rose to that moment that well, but man, did he. Spectacular. One of the all-time great post-fight interviews. <laughs> All right. Joseph Boza, how crazy is it that the winner of Whitaker versus DDP will have about six weeks to turn around to face Izzy as Dana trying to protect Izzy? Jed, we've been waiting for this one since the beginning of the show. Go ahead and tell the people in Joseph Boza what you believe is going to happen or if it doesn't, what absolutely should be happening like right now. This fight's not going to happen, boys and girls, because it's the (laughs) stupidest fight of all time. I said it immediately. I got a lot of pushback internally from some people, frankly, on this mo- on this thing. And slowly everyone sort of come around because Izzy wants to fight in Australia. Izzy is going to fight in Australia. And there is simply not a person for him to fight. And Joey, you said it great. The winner of this fight isn't going to make a six-week turnaround. If this fight were to happen, I would strongly favor Robert Whitaker to win this fight. 
He's not going to win it in a way that he can compete in six weeks again after because for the many flaws DDP has in his game, that dude is going to throw all of the business at you for 10 minutes or as long as his cardio can hold up. And maybe with his nose job, his cardio can hold up forever. Who can say? But it is like the, he's not going to come out of this fight unscathed. You're not going to get the winner of this to turn around in six weeks. And so then if Izzy really does want to fight in Australia, he seems like he does, the UFC is very clearly incentivized to have him fight there. What do we do? Like who who else can fight him, Mike? Who else from the rankings? Is Sean Strickland doing something these days? Is he booked? Yes, he is booked. Who's he booked? What's he? Who's he fighting? He's headlining July 1st against Abus Magomedov. Okay, well, I guess maybe <laughs> your best hope is that he can win that fight. But if he – like there's no, there's no answer. There's nobody who can fight Izzy <laughs> – in Australia, except for to just end this stupid fight that doesn't matter and doesn't need to happen and just pull it and say, hey, DDP, your number is called. We're going to Australia. You're going to fight Izzy there. Bob's your uncle. Robert, you can uh, you can just show up. You know what? Instead of you fighting Robert Whitaker to get a title fight, you get the winner of DDP versus Izzy and you will come you will sit in the stands for Australia and you will be there and it will be the two of you guys you know you're facing off with the winner of this and that's how we're going to do it because that's what the logic dictates should happen in this fucking situation or I think this is stupider because I don't have any interest in a third fight between Whitaker and Izzy you could also just pull him and do Whitaker Izzy 3 in Australia and DDP fights the winner Either way it goes, this fight is dumb and need not occur. So I agree with you 100%. They should just pull DDP and have him fight Adesanya. Pull Sean Strickland from that Avis Magomedov fight and have him fight Robert Whitaker on that card because you know Sean Strickland's going to drub up some fun during fight week, so he will put a lot of attention on that fight just like he did for the Alex Pereira fight. So you go ahead and do that. Then you pull Paulo Costa from that Ikram Alaskara fight that is not going to happen because Paulo Costa is not going to take that fight. And you just pull him and put him against Hamzat Shemaev in October because I do not believe this Usman thing for a second until I see both of those guys in a cage after both of those men make 170 pounds. Just do the Costa Shemaev fight in Abu Dhabi. And then you could do Alaskara versus Magomedov. You can give Magomedov to somebody else. You could do Fluffy Hernandez versus Alice Garoff because that fight friggin' rules. You and can do a lot of different sense. things. So do that. Just just shuffle the deck. And guess what? All these fights are happening in July. All of them are happening in July, and it doesn't mess up the timeline at all. So just pull DDP, put him in there, let him fight Izzy. It'll be tremendous. And then just shuffle up the deck the rest of the way. Give us Costa versus Shamayev at 185. That fight's going to be the big seller for that pay-per-view outside of the hardcores just do that but let me let me throw something else at you jed a lot of people are wondering if they are just going to leave things as they are and then give israel adesanya a light heavyweight title shot are you do you have any interest in israel adesanya challenging jamal hill on that card for the light heavyweight title no that would be very dumb i hope that that is not the case uh, I'm not in general, like one, 
that's not a thing that you do to a dude who just got sparked. And I know he came back and he won the rematch with Pereira. I'm not taking that away as a sensational performance, but it's sort of you don't just get to pick right back where you left off. Like your barometer gets reset. You just lost. So like if he comes out and loses, I would be of the opinion that let's say they do the DDP fight and DDP wins. I don't think Izzy gets an automatic rematch because then we're just giving him rematches every time now. Like that's, that's not realistic. He should have to win one more because he lost to Pereira not that long ago. I don't think he should get a light heavyweight fight. Uh, also, I know that Jamal Hill is technically your UFC light heavyweight champion. Uh, no, he's, he's not. Yuri never lost the belt. It was a fabrication and nonsense. So like if he's going to fight for the belt, I want him to fight for the real belt and not this pretty paper belt that, that Jamal is holding on to at the moment. So I hate that idea entirely. Just, just make him fight one of these two dudes in Australia. This, this fight isn't needed. 290 is a sick card. You don't need this to juice the card up. It's doing a-okay without it. Like we just don't need to be here. And I don't, it seems so obvious and so logical. And I don't understand why we're just, three miles down this road and trudging onto stupidity forever. So I had a, I had a buddy text me this morning with this idea because he had a, he, he listened to heck of a morning and was like, what if they did this? And this could make kind of everybody happy in the process. What if they did Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad on that Abu Dhabi card? And they did Colby fighting Israel Adesanya since there's, a story there like people are talking about it any chance that could happen both guys get title shots it's a big fight for colby big fight for izzy with the name value there's a chance it happens i hope it doesn't um because again like I, I don't ask for a lot i mostly just ask for the people who deserve to fight for titles to get to fight for titles and sometimes deserve doesn't mean you have a win in the top five it just means the champion's beating all the other dudes in front of you and you're next in line because that's how this can works. DDP's that dude. think he should get the title fight. Colby shouldn't be getting any title fight in any division, but I can't say that that won't happen because it. I could see that happening. I would put it at very low likelihood, but I could see that occurring. So hopefully they just shuffle up the deck. Do Whitaker Strickland, DDP goes and fights for the belt. Whitaker gets the winner if he beats Strickland. Boom. There you go. But if the if the deck is not shuffled, they don't shuffle it at all, what are the chances we get Adesanya versus the winner of Strickland versus Abus? Low, but not impossible. Can we yeah. get Adesanya versus Abus? Well, no. Okay, let's if it's Abus, then that's a zero. Like that's just never gonna but happen. It, it, to if me, it's it was Strickland, a zero that he maybe. was gonna main event against Strickland last week, but he is, so I'm not well I don't that should never zero. be a zero because main events ain't what they used to be more case. Well, but uh yeah. if it's Strickland, I could see it because Strickland would be okay with a quick turnaround in general. Um, and that's at least a sellable fight. Like he was on the doorstep and previously he'll talk some true like that that'll i could buy if strickland beats a boost that that's how that goes down yeah you have the press conference footage from that's, last international fight week so that's probably the most likely scenario based on what's going on right now i still think they should pull ddp but 
Oh, of course. They seem yeah. intent on doing this dumb fight. So Dana was asked about this specific thing, and he said he was going to announce something soon. So maybe we'll get a live, uh, a live in studio thing sometime this week where he can announce this news. I really well, want to know just, what they're going to do. If you just get rid of Whitaker DDP, then 290 still has two title fights: Jalen Turner, Dan Hooker, which is an all-time banger. Uh, Bo Nickel doing his thing. Sean Brady, Jack Della Maddalena. Like, you got five good fights plus Robbie Lawler's forced retirement. Like, you just don't need Robert <laughs> Whitaker on this card. You're fine. Let's go. Honestly, it would make more sense to do this fight at Australia. <laughs> like, yeah. just as the co-main event of the Australia fight card. <laughs> Jed, uh, Tyrone thinks you look badass with your hair down. I appreciate you, Tyrone. You know, no comment on my hair being down. I put it down today. Your hair's hair's always down, (laughs) and it's always up. I shaved it today. Literally shaved it a couple hours ago. What else we got? The sport would suck with Dana. Wait, with Dana? Oh, (laughs) or without Dana? (laughs) I'm going to assume that that means without, but uh, maybe. Probably. I don't agree with that. Like now it's it's not true. (laughs) Yeah. Now it's not hundred percent. Like the history of the sport would suck without him. There's no doubt about it. Dana deserves a lot of credit for putting the UFC in the position there. And no doubt about it with not only just becoming the face of the promotion and getting himself over in such a way the partnerships he's created, the friendships he's created, the business relationships he's created. He's a big part of the success of this company. I mean, he's a gigantic part of the success of this company. And because of that, he's not needed anymore. Like, it's nice to have him and do interviews and stuff like that. Like when you show up, some shows up on the Pat McAfee show, like, yeah, that's cool. But he has built this juggernaut that it runs, it almost like runs itself at this point. Like rinse, repeat, you got it. And just have somebody else promote. John Anik would do a tremendous job as a promoter. He would promote. He'd, pr- he'd put champions over and say nice things about everybody. And Dana could still be there and, and do the occasional scrum or whatever. But to say that like the sport, like the UFC would just die if Dana White wasn't the face of the company is just not true. It's just not true. And that's not a, and it is kind of a, a detriment to him because just look at this week and what how he's treated his champion and Aljamain Sterling. Just look at some of the things he said about Aljamain Sterling since this past Saturday. It's just crazy. No promoter on the planet would talk like that about one of their champions. But at the same token, it is of credit to him because he has built this to the position that he's in, that it is in right now. That when he he was even at International Fight Week last week last year, he wasn't even there. He wasn't there at all. He was on vacation. Remember that? They didn't need him. And the, the whole international fight week, everything ran off without a hitch. And that is credits to Dana because he has built this to run like the machine that it is running. And they have great people working for them as well. But to say that like the UFC at this point, as they're printing money, lives and dies with Dana as the president is just not true. It's not true. Yeah, I think sometimes about Dana's role in the development of the sport, and you can't take away what he obviously accomplished. Uh, I think that there are arguments that other people could have accomplished similar results, uh, but, you know, if I had wheels, I'd be a wagon. That's not what happened. Dana Dana did that. 
uh, I think the sport is made worse by his current presence. Um, and that's not really an indictment of, it, it, I guess really is an indictment of him, but it's just that when you say the sport would suck without Dana, my thought is we are engaging with the sport on two different levels and that's okay. If you like the sport, I'm not here to tell you the way you are enjoying it is wrong. Like it's, it's fucking sport. Like you are a fan. However you want to do that is okay. For me, I think that, uh, the sport is actively worse because of the business practices that the UFC participates in. And I, morally find them morally objectionable but that's not why the sport's worse from a viewer based product it makes the sport worse like they are making so much money and that money is is trickling to the fighters there is not a wealth of that and that's the way they are doing that is by giving us 50 contender series fighters every other card like it's Dana is the is the leader of this, but really, I, I think any business person would be doing largely the same for him at this point. You're getting a devalued product because you're we are all still willing to pay for it because the product is still good, but it's not what it could be. And so I think that the sport is actively worse because the UFC could have paid Francis Ngannou. The UFC could have chosen to pay Francis Ngannou. They could have matched the PFL's offer easily would not have they wouldn't have even noticed it on their bottom line if you looked at John Nash's reporting this past week if they had just matched the Francis Ngannou offer but they were unwilling to do so for a myriad of reasons and now we will never get John Jones versus Francis Ngannou that the sport is worse because of that like we are it is not as much fun without things like that and that's the way business is done with them and I can't knock them from a business standpoint they're obviously incredibly successful <laughs> Yep. But from a viewership standpoint, it is objectively less interesting because of their business practices. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a smart water alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. What else we got? Do, do, do. Oh. <laughs> All right. Just one uh, of this. Let's do it. Are there UFC fighters who might be upset that Power Slap is being promoted more by the UFC than their actual fighters? See, and this is another reason why that I bring up to anything Dana could just focus on power slap. Like he's totally in on it and he, he wants to make this thing. Exactly. He wants to make this thing a, a, a massive success. And as anybody who wants to run a business, you want it to be a massive success. And Dana is exhausting every single Avenue that he can from using the UFC's platform to promote something that has nothing to do with the UFC outside of the president running it. You have Mike Tyson promoting it and social media influencers like the Nelk Boys and Barstool and all them promoting this event as if it's happening. And they're treating these guys to, to hotel suites and all expenses paid trips to Las Vegas. And I'm not knocking anybody for that because that's what they do and that's totally fine. They're not journalists, so it's all good. But 
if you want this thing to be a, a, a massive juggernaut, if you really feel that this can be bigger than all of the major sports combined, then you still have something to keep you busy and it's still under the same umbrella. If that's what your focus is on, then focus on that. Like no one's going to knock you for that. I've, I, it's, I'm not going to watch it. It ain't for me. I ain't going to cover it. I ain't going to talk about it outside of this question and a couple of others, but I'm sure fighters are a little bit upset. Like, why wouldn't they be? Like, Mackenzie Dern's coming off this big win. You could use your social media platform to put her over, especially after the story she's telling on the MMA hour yesterday. Like, put her over. Give her give her some shine. Talk about the upcoming fights. Don't just overwhelm us with power slap promos. Like, you could still do the power slap and run it on the power slap social medias, but do you have to inundate your website and all of your platforms with this power slap that most UFC fans are not even interested in, that's that's my big issue with it. But if I'm a fighter, especially somebody on the on the precipice of getting over that hump and breaking through, yeah, I'm a little bit disturbed by this, a little bit annoyed by this. Wouldn't you? I mean, I would be, but I feel like I've made my thoughts here relatively clear. I would never sign with the UFC if I were a fighter. Um it just wouldn't be for me. Uh, my answer to this question is they should be, but I doubt any of them care. And I base that on the fact that uh, when the UFC sold for $4.2 billion, uh, what, eight years ago, however long ago, that was seven years ago, I guess, uh, most of the responses from the fighters were, wow, great for them. That was dope. Cool. It wasn't like, oh, Oh, that's the degree to which we have been getting collectively bent over a barrel here. And when the UFC functionally had their value established as like over $12 million or $12 billion earlier this year with the WWE merger, again, the fighters didn't come out and were like, collectively we're worth $12 billion and we're the product and I'm making 10 and 10 and begging for a 50k bonus and there there still was no outcry why is the fact that the youtube page is filled with power slaps going to be the thing that makes fighters care they're wired different fighters don't seem to care about the same things that i would care about or that most people feel like they should care about they and you know they have that's that's their choice uh i don't care about power slap I, it doesn't offend me the way it does many people uh i it would be cooler if there was just less of it being thrown in my face by the UFC, but I can also just kind of move past it and it's not a huge deal to me. So yeah, I, I don't know. They're trying to build this to be another multi-billion dollar business. I don't think it'll work, but who can say, well, I guess we'll see. Yeah. And I'm, I'm exactly with you on that. Like if you want to watch power slap, good on you. I'm, I'm not going to knock you or anything like that. God, that's fine. It's not for me. I have but, a power slap question as okay. I've never actually watched an event. I've seen like some clips on social because they're always out there and any of the commenters who have watched power slap, this is a genuine question. Um, I saw one yesterday cause it popped on my timeline. Are they not allowed to roll? Do they just have to get hit? Is that they can't even like time a roll with the slap or whatever? Like, because that just doesn't even make sense fundamentally to the sport. Like I feel like that, sport. I mean, 
that's the whole thing. You can't defend yourself. That's why it's not a sport. Well, that's the thing. No, but like I get, I get at least con- conceptually like you can't block, but like I can't roll. That feels like by definition should be part and parcel of slapping. Like that's like I can't sway out of the way, but I can't turn my cheek with it. Like I have to turn into it. It just seems very odd. Um, let me see. I'm trying to. I'm trying to look at the rules. Oh, there like are fouls. Every, like some yeah. people win by DQ. No. People get knocked there out. There are fouls. They, they There's yep. so many fouls. So many fouls. No it's clubbing. Crazy. No clubbing. Stepping. Illegal windups. Delay of games or fouls. Defender fouls include flinching, blocking, What's and delay of game. Uh, foul consequences include warnings, point deduction, loss of strike, restrike, and DQ. The complete power slap rule set is po- whatever. Uh, but those are the fouls. You can't. I need block. to know. I need someone to explain the legal windup because I see these dudes do like a full sprinkler head turn, and if that's not a windup, I don't know what the fuck one is, man. Oh, so many times the other dude gets knocked out, but he'll still win by DQ because he. I don't know. A foot. He, he lifted a foot, or his heels came off the ground, or something. It, but it doesn't matter because you just got knocked out, and that's that happens all the time. And for social media purposes, they still send the clip out, and the dude still gets knocked out, and no one's oh, going. Yeah. That's an illegal slap. So they don't care. Okay. There's there's actually there's here's, this is the wind up rule. There is a an actual wind up rule. Prior to completing the permitted slap, the striker. Must elect verbally and with hand signals with referee confirmation the hand the striker will use to strike in the number one, two, or three in which the strike will land. Each number has the following meaning one means no wind up, two means after the hand is lined up, one practice motion is taken, then a strike lands on two, three means once the hand is lined up, two practice motions are taken, then a strike lands on three. So if you're saying I'm going to do a one, which means you're just going and then, or you say it's a three and then you just smack the dude in the face without a, without the warning of a windup, that would be a windup foul. Okay. Look at learning something new. Still not my, not my cup of tea, but if you're into it, God bless. It's trying to it's teach good social like, media stuff. Trying to teach someone like what a balk is in MMA and in baseball. So like, it's just like, honestly, <laughs> yeah, that actually felt a little bit like that. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. okay. It's okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't really understand these rules, but they're the rules and you guys agree to them. So, okay. Question. Right. Cause, cause Mike mentioned Zufa. Do we have women's early. slapping league? I'm sorry. I believe we're so. Down. We're too deep down the power slapping. Yeah. We are. I just have no idea. <laughs> Yes, 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 it's all, all gender. You, you, Mike, you mentioned Zufa boxing earlier and they failed. Well, it never happened, Zufa boxing. Is Power Slap just Zufa boxing? Mm, it feels like it. Cause that's, cause yeah, it could be that, what they the pivoted to. This, yeah. this is what Zufa boxing would have been if Dana could have ever gotten boxing to be a because thing. Because this, this is the profit margins they want, I assume. Or are looking for, and that's why they couldn't make it happen in boxing. So, well, it just eliminate the boxers because yeah, there's federal <laughs> regulations. One of the greatest things <laughs> that I've ever been a part of working in this space was when Dana came out. I believe it was during one of the Mayweather McGregor pressers, and he wore the Zufa boxing T-shirt, and he was asked about it, saying that we're going to do this. My old editor, when I was working at Fansided, bought ZufaBoxing.com. 
And oh, he did when it. you went to when you went to the site, it went to his Twitter page. <laughs> it was the most brilliant thing ever. And I don't know how long it lasted, but he just I remember him like DMing, slacking me. He goes, Zufabox.com, click on this and went right to his Twitter account. I'm like, that is freaking brilliant. And I don't know how much this cost you, but worth every penny, my friend. Worth every penny. Oh, I remember that story of someone buying it. Uh, Zufa boxing is, I think, one of the low-key funniest things that's happened or not happened in the sports history. If you, because I don't think people they made, really they think made about t-shirts. it. They the, made t-shirts. They made t-shirts. I just don't think people think about it enough. Where it's like, okay, boxing is federally regulated because it was so corrupt for so long that the government was like. All right, we have to like get at least somewhat involved because this is this is outrageously corrupt. And like Dana then is like, I'm gonna get into boxing. And then it's like, I can't work in boxing. And if you do a little transitive math in that, it's like, why can't you work in boxing? Because there are regulations. What are those regulations? To prevent outward corruption of the worst kind. Huh. Okay. <laughs> It's just outrageous to me. What if they nobody's like, together? huh, Zufa boxing doesn't work, but the rest of the Zufa product line does. No federal regulations in there. I wonder if those things are connected at all. All right. wonder if there's a reason Matchroom Boxing made like $12 million last year and the UFC made like $380 million last year. I wonder if there's what, – what could be the cause? can say saw dana white when does john jones stipe actually happen are you like at this point jed as the president of the stipe mihich fan club i feel like it's november it's or it's never happening yeah, it's madison square garden it's yeah. just gonna happen if, yeah and if it doesn't happen then then stipe is not fighting like I just that would that would be the funniest outcome if the UFC can't even put this friggin' softball together. <laughs> and then, like John's just gonna retire if they can't do it or whatever. It's like, well, who am I gonna fight? So, but no, it's just gonna be the Madison Square Garden card. Agreed. It's just- maybe maybe December. Like I don't know because maybe Madison Square Garden ends up being McGregor Chandler, but it's one of those two. Is how different is the making John Jones Stipe from making John Jones versus Francis in the sense that you said the UFC just simply didn't want to pay? Is it the same exact situation going on right here with Stipe? They just Probably. don't want to pay. They can, and no one, they, no one would, they wouldn't notice. They, you know, they just don't want to. Do I they, do, does the UFC need to make Mike the fight? knows what. Mike knows way more about the inner workings and stuff like that than I do. My assumption is that the blocker is largely just not giving the dudes the money that they want to come and fight each other. But I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, remember last year there were talks about putting that fight together for like an interim title or something before for before they figured out what was going on with Francis. And that was kind of part of it. They wanted to put that fight together like real quick and Steve Aiden – I mean, Arrow's talked about this on his show as well, so I'm not like saying anything that I shouldn't be saying, but Steve didn't really love the offer that he was given to fight on the notice that he was given. And he was like, no, here's my counter. And the UFC is like, well, let's take it or leave. And he said, okay, I'll just leave it. I won't do it. But now like John wants it and he's calling him out and 
Dana has put this out there for everybody. Like we're going to do this fight. It's going to happen. Then like all of this, like they kind of have to put this together and make it work. And I think if you're in the steep a camp right now, like, you know, this and steep a, despite not fighting all that often has understood the business being in the UFC so long that he understands, well, he's not Connor. He's got a little bit of leverage here. He's got a little bit of leverage here because of what is available right now. This fight with Stipe is the biggest possible fight that they could put together for John Jones right now. And for this division, I know some people would rather see Sergey Pavlovich get in there because of the meritocracy part of it. And I get that, but John Jones versus Stipe is a way bigger fight than John Jones versus Sergey Pavlovich. Not even close. So I think Stipe is well aware of the little bit of leverage he has in the situation. He's probably going to get a little bit more than he would have gotten to fight John last year. So yeah, I think it's going to get done. And if it doesn't happen in November, then I'm just fully convinced at this point that Stipe is just not going to fight again. And I think he'd be okay with that. This goes back to a previous question about, um, or statement about the UFC being better with Dana and not to re-harp on this, but like there are two ways functionally to approach negotiations, be it fight negotiations or whatever. And it's one of them, which is the way that the UFC largely seems to conduct itself is they hold 99% of the cards and they may eventually make concessions for some reasons, but you are going to have to claw those concessions out of their cold dead hands. Like it is a fight. And so in this situation, Stipe does have some leverage because if he doesn't fight again, there's a very real possibility that John Jones doesn't fight again. And then they, their argument to having the baddest man on the planet goes up in smoke. Ultimately the, the UFC doesn't need that though. And they know that as a bottom line, it does not matter what we roll out there with the belt on the line people are going to eat it up so they don't have to make huge concessions like they would have had to give francis they exist on a on a paradigm of okay well we can give you maybe a little bit but ultimately you need this more than we do and we're just going to fucking hold firm and that's fine not i am not speaking to that as a business strategy the moral implications of it i am just saying that is just how business is done the other way they could do business is say, we made $380 million last year <laughs> profit. Like, I will give you an extra $1 million, both of you. You will both say yes immediately, and we will have this fight. <laughs> and you could just do all the cool things. Like, if I ran the UFC for literally one year and I didn't get to do big structural changes, I just got to negotiate fights. I would make it the most fun fucking year in the history of the promotions. Be like, I have a $380 million pot to work with. I will give a million dollars to you two gentlemen. I want you to fight in two months and they will all say yes. That's how they could do things. And it would be way more fun for us, the fans. It's not how they choose to do business. And that's why instead of this fight happening in the summer at International Fight Week, it's getting delayed out to Madison Square Garden because they are, they are never going to open up the checkbook ever 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 yeah and just say you know what i'll sweeten the pot a little more we'll do leon versus colby as the co-main event that's gonna help the gate and help pay-per-view buys and all that so there you go give them that you're good it's a fine that's a damn good one-two punch right there for msg jones stipe leon colby we get colby and john jones on a press conference together 
with their relationship from the past. That'll be uh, all sorts of wild God, and weird. That'll be good. So that would be there. Good. You go, New York. I see the term "fumble the bag" everywhere, um, when, especially when you talk about when certain. The UFC has never fumbled the bag. The well, UFC clinches a bag. Nagano, yeah, who Death. in the Jones versus Stipe fight that may not, may or not, may never happen? Who is fumbling the bag? Is it John Jones? Is it Stipe? Is it the UFC? I don't think any. I don't think anybody's fumbling. John Jones is probably fumbling it the most. But I really don't think anyone's fumbling it that hard. Sometimes everything doesn't bait, have to he, be because he's making zero money. Yeah. I'm just everything doesn't have to be adversarial. Is one of the things I've learned. Like as I've gotten older, sometimes things just don't work for everybody. And the UFC largely views every negotiation as adversarial, and that's like my fundamental issue with them here. They are ultimately not fumbling the bag because. They paid three hundred eighty million fucking dollars this year. They're going to do the same, if not more, next year. Like, they aren't they aren't losing money because they have a set price point that they get from ESPN. It truly doesn't matter to them. For Fran, like both Francis and John are losing out on money, but money isn't always the important thing to people. Like respect, dignity, getting the things you feel you are entitled to, or just simply not competing, are reasonable wants and desires and i guess stipe doesn't fight he's not going to get the bag of money he's probably aren't doing financially well or at least said enough he still has a full-time job so he's fine in that regard and john's the same way like sometimes they just won't work and so like from a fan standpoint i would say the ufc screwing up the most but i don't know that anyone's really they're all just adhering to their principles which i just disagree with some people's principles over others yeah, no one's fumbling the bag here. Stipe doesn't have to fight. Like, if he'd never fought again, I think he'd be fine. He's a he's a dad, husband, multiple kids. He loves being a firefighter, and you get damn good Bennies being a firefighter when you retire from that. I know this. My father was a firefighter for thirty five years. You do you pretty do pretty damn well. Oh. You do pretty damn well, especially if you're in the departments for a long time, and the benefits you get after you retire are incredible. So. Stipe's doing just fine. They're certainly better than the benefits you get after you retire in the UFC. It's a great point. Can, can you list those benefits you get from the yes. UFC? None. None. For, for a while, if you were really, really important, they gave you a no-show job at the office until yeah. they sold to another media company two of those, and yeah. fired all of those people. Yeah. And for the record, the I, I, I do not think Stipe is fumbling the bag. I'm just kind of putting yeah. it out there more yeah just because i see all the you know francis fumbled the bag it's like well I'm, i just no. wonder why that same argument doesn't go for Stipe because i disagree with both but yeah francis did not fumble the bag at all course, and i've course, said this course, i've said this before course, yeah yeah if if francis fumbled the bag then like i said on the podcast douse my hands in crisco because i'd love to fumble <laughs> the bag in the exact same yeah. way there's Someone no in the that. comments just made a good statement on this. It's Omar M. Stipe fumbling the bag because he doesn't care about it. And that's probably actually the most succinct way to put it is like yeah. by yeah. many definitions, Stipe's not getting paid money. So a lot of people and a lot of fans will think he's fumbling the bag. He just doesn't care. <laughs> and that's reasonable. Yeah, he's so fumbling the bag because he thought the bag would be heavier. It. 
Yeah, he said he'll pick up the bag if it's heavier than the bag that they're giving him. If it's heavier, he'll pick it up and run with it. But it's too light. Picks it up, he thinks it's heavier, and he just throws it up in the sky and just floats off into the air. So it's lightweight. Yeah, lightweight. (laughs) But I do ultimately think this fight will get done. Yeah, I think it's just going to happen in Madison Square Garden in December. One of the two. Yeah. If it doesn't happen in November, what at what point is this is this fight dead? January. I think it can happen in December. If it goes to the end of this year without being made, the fight is dead. I'll agree if, with that. Yeah, I'm kind of. Who's going to wait out longer? Who 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 has Steve. to wait out? Stipe's well, or, or John. I think they both they both might just wait out the same because they both might be of the opinion that they're just not fighting anyone other than each other. Yeah, agree, completely agree. All right, though I am on team that believes John will continue to fight post Stipe, but so minority. Yeah, I don't, team. I don't like. I, I think after the Stipe fight, if he wins, and I would expect him to win. Uh, I don't think he's like retired, retired. Like, I don't think that's the last John Jones fight we'll ever see. I just don't think he'll fight for a little while. I think he'll sit out and wait and see if something fun happens. How incredible it would be if Stipe won and then actually retired and just refused. And John is just berating <laughs> him for a rematch that he can never get. God, that, that, would, be, that would be unbelievable. No, God, dude, I'm 42. I beat you. Deal with it. <laughs> Honestly, that's I'm what done. DC should have done to Stipe. It would have been the best. <laughs> and, and DC has kind of basically admitted that he kind of went he he went yeah. for the bag instead of just saying I'm done. Yeah. And I think he kind of, even though he got you know a few million, I think he does in the end regret it. Yeah. I don't it think Stipe like, would uh, make that mistake if he beats John. I think he's I out. Don't know. I think how much July, uh, legacy is different if he retires after he knocks out. So it's Steve. so much different. It's so, so different. different. Yeah. It's in, yeah, it's incredible. Sorry. So uh, July 29th is going to be a fun day, everybody. We got obviously the UFC pay-per-view event and uh, apparently the Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence fight is official for July 29th. Terrence nice. tweeted it out himself. So Man, that's that good sucks. enough for me. That so timing is going to be a bitch. It's on Showtime, right? Too. Yeah, I, so. I mean, that's gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna have to really thread a needle for Poirier Gaethje to be done yep. by the time they're making the walk. T-Mobile Arena, July 29th. Not in altitude. Big two okay. big pay per views. Yeah. Busy, night. Busy night. Busy oh, night. Yeah. I just hope we get to watch them both, like all of yeah. both of them, and not some overlapping. Boxing doesn't make the big fights. Well, it took him what? How many years to put this one together finally? Jesus. A decade? <laughs> I don't know. It feels like forever. <laughs> hey. Do we We've been talking else? the whole show about a fight that the UFC can't make, and then here we go. Uh, that kid, it's, You're framing it incorrectly because Dana White puts on the fights the fans want to see. Correct. So. The fight that Francis Ngannou couldn't make. He's to blame. All right. <laughs> you guys already cover the whole 13% revenue split debacle. I mean, what? I think it's- is, it a, is it a debacle? 
It's what it is. I, and it's it, higher I, than 13. It's what side you're on. I suspect that everybody in uh, the WME offices this week was just like, this fucking rules. This is, oh, yeah. we are printing money. This is great. Yeah. And not only are we printing money, but the people who ostensibly should be upset by this, many of them literally reach out online to defend us when people are like, hey, you guys should get more money. They're like, fuck you. I should get what the UFC gives me. I don't know how he pulled this off, but it's great. They did it. They did it. Yeah. They signed mega I, deals with companies where if this is any other sports league that put these types of deals together, all the players would have come together and been like, we should probably like do something about this. But I don't know. I don't know how whatever they've done, they've they've done a tremendous job. So I mean, what else can you do? What else can you do? I, yeah, look, it's this is uh, not to get – I'm going to touch on political for just a moment. Uh, the gun debate in America, in my estimation and in many people's, pretty much functionally ended after Sandy Hook and we didn't do anything about it. And I'm not here to make a comment on that. I'm just saying if you think that anything after that is going to move the needle and make something happen, you're wrong. I feel exactly the same with fighter pay. When the UFC sold for $4 billion and the fighters didn't do shit about it, I stopped thinking the fighters were ever going to do shit about it. It is simply not going to happen. So that percentage is going to get closer and closer to 10, and 10 is probably the lowest it will go, but it that is just going to keep shrinking because they are going to keep bringing in contender series talent on 10 and 10s. They're going to keep making money hand over fist from their broadcast rights deals, and the fighters are never going to get wise and, and stand up for what's theirs. This is just the reality. And once you accept that, it becomes a lot easier to just watch the sport and be like, all right, well, that's Fights. the choice the fighters are making. That sucks. Yeah. I wish they made better, but it's their lives and they get to control it. So here I am. Yeah. And there's been multiple opportunities to come together as well, especially with mm -hmm. this. And you just got another one with this merger and the valuation of what, $12 billion for this new company, another opportunity to come together and it's still not happening. So Joe Lozon has taken an absolute verbal thrashing about his thoughts on this for the last decade or so. And he's right. He's been right the whole time. He's like, look, it's never going to happen. As, mm -hmm. as long as I'm alive, this is never going to happen. And he, basically pointed out the exact reasons that that you pointed out jed like it's a it's a, fighting you can you can make a case that it's like a team sport because you have like collective teams and like teammates help you get ready for fights but when it comes to actual competition this is an individual sport and there's just no way you're gonna get everybody on board like the biggest stars in the sport to be like you know what i'm gonna put my neck on the line for this guy who just won the LFA welterweight title, but is taking a fight in the UFC on nine days notice to make more money. I, I just don't think they're going to do it with 600 fighters on the roster. I, it's, it's unfortunate, man. Be. Like it stinks, but it's just not going to happen. But until that does, this fighter pay discussion is not going to change. There's like, I can only even see one path outside of regulation coming in. And it's like, theoretically, a honestly, like the, I could just build and pitch a decent business proposal to any like management company and be like, hey, right now you can invest pretty limited funds to manage low asset MMA fighters. And if you can get a bunch of them, 
sure, your percentage on them is going to be almost nothing for a long period of time. But if you can reach a critical mass of them and you can then use that mass to leverage into a union, uh, at which point their profits will go up like 400% and thus your percentage of that will go up to an enormous amount, you could maybe pull that off. The problem is all the MMA managers are tight with Dana because he specifically has planned this. So it's just like never going to happen. There's no, it's just never going to happen. Like fighters can make 10% forever. Just be okay with it because you can't fight it. You cannot stand up against this tide. It's, it's funny. Um, Cause I know I train with, you know, a lot of good amateur and pro fighters and it's just kind of an acceptance that mm-hmm. if everything goes perfect, I'll make a good middle-class living you know, for a few years, you know, and maybe I can save something up and buy a, buy a, a nice car, but you're, it's, it's definitely an acceptance. I'm not going to make real money dedicating my life to the sport. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you just don't see that in boxing gyms, but MMA is yeah. just, that's just, it's, it's, it's in the brains. It, I don't know. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, here's the culture. It is what it is. Just, yeah. just, just to play like the the other side of it, for for a second, because I know we, when we talk about the UFC, we talk about MMA, most notably the UFC. There is, which makes this uh, merger with WWE sort of ironic. There are certainly ties to the UFC's promotional tools compared to WWE's back in the day. What WWE was in the 1980s after they sort of like mopped up all the regional territorial promotions and became this global brand was they had the biggest space in order to put talent on television and get them recognized. But even then, besides like Hulk Hogan and some of the bigger names, Vince McMahon always said like, look, I can't guarantee you riches, but I can guarantee you an opportunity to get over and try to make that money. And it took... 18 years it took probably until the attitude era and kevin nash and scott hall going to wcw and getting guaranteed money that changed the business forever we got guaranteed contracts wrestler pay became a thing it wasn't just hey we'll give you this chance you make dollars upon dollars but if you get over you have the chance to make more money the business changed i'm not saying that like Maybe something happens. There is a competitor down the road. And maybe it is the PFL. Maybe it is the PFL. Maybe this Francis thing pays off. I'm not saying it. I'm not overly confident because I just have so many questions. But maybe this Francis thing pays off. And this type of deal gets other stars over there to kind of force the issue that this is what we have to do to remain competitive. Because that's what happened in wrestling. It took a long time for wrestlers to make that kind of a living, even if they're big stars outside of the major stars. It's very similar to where MMA is right now. It's very similar to where the UFC is right now. Cause like WWF had WrestleMania three in front of 93,000 people. And Hulk Hogan was on the main event and that thing made a ton of money, but those guys weren't all getting paid a ton of money. They were just given the opportunity to be on the card and get a payday. And that's kind of where they're at right now. And they were still getting bigger, but it just took like another decade plus. And eventually once the competition came in, and started making waves and actually catching WWF and actually beating WWF in a lot of respects, WCW, that forced the business to change forever. So possibly we could see a similar route, but we need, what needs to happen is that 
whether it's PFL or Bellator or somebody, they have to make a big move. And I'm looking at you, PFL. This is, if you can make this Francis thing work and you can bring in other talent and you can change the industry in that sense from a business perspective, then maybe that gets the UFC on board to do the same thing. But until that happens, UFC is just so far ahead of everybody that they don't need to change anything. Like Jed said, they're printing money. But this is very similar to where WWF was back in the 80s. Yeah. And I, I see it with fans all the time. There's multiple comments I've seen. Like It's like, basically, I pay to watch UFC. I don't pay to watch fighters. Yeah. And that's right. okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. It's the brand, man. It's the brand. Okay. I don't miss I'm not here ever. to shit on this. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, it's, I mean, that's, yeah. that's what I, they're saying. I mean, just, yeah, I disagree I with it. Oh, yeah. But it's... Like I disagree with it on moral grounds, but I, it, this just is what it is. And if you're going to th- – like you just can't interact with this if it bothers you because it it is the situation. Yeah. Look, I watch WrestleMania every year. I don't even, even know who's on it. I just know I'm going to watch it because it's WrestleMania. I'm just going to watch it. Mm-hmm. So – and some people look at fighting the same way. It's just yeah. – that's what it is. What ruins what hurts me about this whole contender series 10 and 10 thing before we move on, and this is a selfish thing. I used to fucking love the contender series. I used to um, love it. The first two seasons, I loved it so much that it was just like the fights were great. It was just boom, 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 boom. Like stakes. only the best yeah. only the best performance got a contract. And then like the next the season two was pretty good. And then three came around, then four came around and then last season, we get the first episode, and Dana just cuts this incredible promo. Be Joe Piper. Show up on Tuesday night ready to make an impact. Be Joe Piper. We're only giving one contract out. I'm like, oh, thank God we're going back to season one. And then they gave the most contracts they've ever given out the rest of the season. Just stop doing that. But I understand why now. But now we know why they're doing that, why they're giving out 35, 40 contracts on the Contender Series for this exact purpose. But it ruined the show. It ruined the whole show for me. But that was the show. That's that's what sucks. And I, 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 that reality kind of sucks when you kind of – I know. Uh, I know. I know. But the I know, show is – yeah, the show is like one, maybe two. Like if two people got a contract, this is the one of the best Contender Series episodes we've ever had. But now it's like – five sometimes six yeah. sometimes someone who lost a fight gets a contract just give a contract to the guy in the crowd yeah it's like it's like a gladiator challenge show hey you come on that's my soul i used to love the contender series so much yeah it was just always the inevitable end point their profit yep. margins can't go up anymore unless they pay people less you got it and and they next can't year, money. and next year they're gonna they're they're gonna go can we do 12 percent yeah they're going to get down they're and gonna down gonna to keep, 10. Yeah. They're going to keep, yeah. They're going to get to 10%. That's going to be the number. That's the good, happy number. And if yeah, the fighters are make, happy, then I'm happy for them. If they made $380 million profit last year, they're going to make like probably $500 million profit this year. Dude, in two years, when they renegotiate their TV rights deal, oh my God. Year, they are going to be soon. making well over a half billion dollars a year. And the Easy. fighters never get wise up. It's incredible. Yeah, probably more. Probably more. If what they were saying on that Endeavor call that they're going to sprinkle the product around and like different, possibly on different networks, that TV deal is going to be Makes fucking so ginormous. Money. Yeah, so ginormous. Much, so much money. 
All right. And last question. All right, Jed, if you were a fighter, what promotion would you sign with? I mean, you are the one of the head honchos of BKFC, according to our fantasy draft. So maybe maybe we go there. Uh, so I've, I've said this a lot, and I actually I would never sign with DOC for all the stuff we've talked about. Again, not that like I'm, I'm may, maybe it's just that I think I'm better than them, frankly. But like I, I would like to be respected, and whatever your feelings on the UFC's business practices. I think it's pretty inarguable that Dana White does not respect fighters. <laughs> like he just straight up doesn't. He disrespects them actively all the time, anytime they push back against him. And so I would not go to somewhere where my promoter, I have a really good chance to be adversarial with them. Uh, if I were a fighter, um, one, I'm also like, if I were a fighter, what, what am I going to be a good one? Come on guys, look at me. Like, I'm not going to be some world beater who can make Conor McGregor money. I'm just a dude fighting, just a guy out there. So at least do it in a place that makes me happy and the people are cool. Uh, I would probably sign with PFL just on the off chance. I high rolled three fights and won the million dollars. But uh, one would be cool because you get to travel a bunch to Asia, which is always fun. And I have always thought Bellator would be the should would be the obvious one. Be like, hey, this is a professional organization run by professionals who will treat me with dignity and respect. I I'll be a part of this company. That seems like a good use of my time. Yeah, Bellator is a good one. Anyone I've ever talked to that fought, that fights for Bellator is incredibly happy. I mean, just incredibly yeah. happy to fight for them. And I'm talking on the record, off the record, just super happy. Some who got and turned I'll, down from Contender Series contracts and ended up signing with Bellator. They're like, oh, thank God. Thank God the, that happened. And the only issue they ever have with Bellator is not Bellator. It's the fans because they just feel sometimes I just don't get the respect for how good of a fighter I am because I'm in – this cage yeah. but they're like you know what though my mortgage is paid my family's happy so f them so I, mean, I, I th- do that's pretty much my that's like, pretty, yeah my i want to say in defense of the ufc in that every time every event i've ever covered with them they're an incredibly professional staff they all do their work very very well the yeah. issue isn't with the people that do it it is within a top level issue being, if I signed with the UFC as a fighter and I I signed and agreed to my fight terms and I honestly am one of the like few people who's like, yeah, you agreed to a five-fight contract. Don't renegotiate in the middle of it. Just fight out your contract. You agreed to it. Follow up your word. But if my contract ends and I'm ready to negotiate, I don't then want to know that I'm about to be in a fist fight over every little detail or just in a position – if I'm lucky where it's take it or leave it. And then I can just walk away. Like that's, it's just not worth it to me. Like I want to be like, Hey, here are the things I want. Can you come back in good faith with a counter and I can take it or I can leave it and we can walk away as opposed to here are the things I want. What is your, what, what can you offer me? I don't want to do that. Well, now the head honcho is running me down in the media because I don't want to fight on a three-month turnaround after just defending my title earlier in May. I guess that is just not worth it to me. I would never, never put myself in that position. And honestly, that's just advice to any of you. Like, don't take a job where there's a high possibility that the people you are reaching out to as your superiors are going to make your life 
they're negatively impacting your life. It's just not worth it. Well said. Well said. I think, I've, and you know, you know, deserves a lot of credit for how he's navigated his career. Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler. Fought for Bellator forever. Won some. Won I a lot. Agree. Lost some. And then he went to the UFC at the exact right time. Free agency comes up, gets a big win over a former champion, got a big bag of money, got a great opportunity, got a big knockout, cut a great promo. He was made right there and then after one UFC fight. And now look at him. He's got a sub 500 record in the UFC. And he's about to fight freaking Conor McGregor. Talk about a guy who got to the UFC at the exact right time. For all three and parties, then, the UFC and Bellator too. It was yeah. the perfect time to – Bellator actually – 100%. Bellator actually didn't need Chandler at that point either. I think they've kind of, that, no. that story had run its course, and mm-hmm. yeah, it was yep. perfect by all three parties. Yep. If you were if you're a fighter and you're going to sign with the UFC, be like Michael Chandler, and that's why like that's why I wouldn't because if you sign with him, you really should just be a company dude. Like I get it. I'm I stand behind people like Aljamain Sterling and whatever, but like you should know who you're signing with when you sign with them. And so if you're going to do it, just be a yes dude. And your experience in the company is probably much better. Like, and that's, well, that's it. Like Michael Chandler, I just, I don't like many things about the man, but he undeniably has been a great asset for the UFC. And I guarantee you, if you ask him, he has loved his time with the promotion because he just says yes and opportunities keep coming. And so if that's, if you can carry yourself that way, absolutely sign with the UFC. Yeah. PFL is a good one too. Like Shane Burgos signing with PFL was. Everyone should sign with the PFL. You have a chance to earn a million dollars. You can change the business, and you can help change. Try to change the business because I feel like if every heavyweight super sign with the PFL, you have a chance <laughs> oh, to just God, get yes. two million dollars to fight <laughs> Francis. Yes, love it. That it? Uh, yeah, that's it. Any plans this long weekend, Jed? Uh, I'm driving down to Tampa tomorrow morning before work uh, and spending it there with my best friend. A clear water, nice. not Tampa, but you know, same, same. Close enough. Close same, enough. same. Very nice. So Very nice. Doing Casey. that. What about you? Um, I'm going to play a little golf on Saturday. Uh, wife and I's anniversary is this weekend. 11 years. 11 years Ooh, strong. Congrats. How about that? That was, nice of, that was nice of the UFC to plan their schedule around your anniversary. Very we, we've been shitting in the UFC, but hey, I'll give the UFC that. Took a week off. They used it. to, they used to have cards the weekend, the day before I got married. That's what me and uh, me and all the fellas did. Oh, we yeah. played poker and watched uh, the UFC card. There's a bunch of heavyweights on there, like heavyweights everywhere. <laughs> Hell yeah, the best kind and of then, card. Yep. And then Monday, uh, Monday's Memorial Day. Obviously, we 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 t- remember what that day is for. Uh, it's Murph Day. Murph Day Monday. So been preparing for the for the Murph and good luck on that. I'm gonna Murph it up on Monday and that sounds try miserable. To, it's probably gonna be miserable, but we've been prepping like every Monday for the last like six or seven weeks. And the prep if the prep is if the if the workout is as bad as the prep, then it's gonna be quite the day. But uh Murph Day Monday and excited for that. Casey, what do you got planned this weekend? Anything exciting? I'm honestly I'm kind of lost. I don't know what to do for myself. <laughs> Just like do, no do a Murph. Do a Run Murph. the Murph on Monday. Go, on. go do Murph. Yeah. You I can think, do I it. Just, yeah. Yeah. 
I was just gonna go, I was just gonna train a lot and go run some trails. Uh, I don't know, maybe yeah, do or, do Murph mix in Murph. some push-ups. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> do you know squats. what Murph is? It's um, uh, is a CrossFit thing, kind of. So you do anyone can do it. It's a yeah. you, you run a mile, then you oh. do a hundred pull-ups, two hundred push-ups, and three hundred air squats, and then you run another mile and you're done. A hundred pull-ups. Hundred pull-ups is a lot of fucking pull-ups, in a, man. In a row. <laughs> You, gotta, you, gotta you, can you, okay. you, you can do it however you want. Okay. You can do it however you want. So right. you, you you like you don't have to do them all in a row. Like you could do okay. like most people do a five most people do a five, ten, fifteen split. So you do like five pull-ups, ten push-ups, fifteen squats, and then you just okay, do it makes, all over again. That makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. All right. So wait, so you run a mile? What is you run a mile, then you do hundred pull-ups, two hundred push-ups, three hundred squats, air squats, and then you run another mile. That's the workout. How many times do you do it? Once. Oh, so you add a mile on each end. Yeah, it's a mile yeah. at the beginning oh, and a mile oh. at the end. Okay, but in the middle, you got you, the got meat you. on the sandwich is uh, oh, okay. all the, the pulling and the pushing and the squatting. Are you supposed to do that? Like you're, a, you're Mr. Ten Seven. You yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, the running part's easy. I was trying. I was, I was like, I was, when you said 100 pull-ups, like in a row. Like, oh boy. <laughs> I was like, but yeah, we break it up. Okay. I There's like also it. You no can time limit. You really can't do it. Just take you. An yeah, hour just to do, do it. the middle part. It's fine. Hey, okay, just do it till you're done. All right, I'm down. I'm down. Let's challenge, go. Challenge accepted. All right. Yeah, Casey and I, Murph Day Monday. Jen's going to do the Murph as well. Monday. I'm going to go fishing right. on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> much better. Much better. Well, enjoy your long weekend if uh, you are in the United States. And if not, enjoy the weekend without the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Hang out with your friends. Hang out with your family. Enjoy this because... The UFC is back next week, and then there's a card every Saturday until Labor Day weekend. So I believe that's 13 weeks. So strap up and enjoy the weekend. Summer run, Thank baby. Thank you for watching. Let's go. Next, next week, it's for Jed and Casey. I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody. Love y'all. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. When you surround yourself with the best tech, that's an instant level up. So shouldn't you level up in every room of your house? The Numi 2.0 is Kohler's most advanced toilet to date, with a sculptural design that elevates it beyond a household object and cutting edge technology to bring you the finest in personal comfort and cleansing. It offers personalized settings to match your exact preferences, from ambient colored lighting and a built-in audio speaker system to the heated seat with hands-free opening and closing. It's more than a toilet, it's a work of art. Learn more at Kohler.com. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com Flagship. This is a paid advertisement.